Hello, world, and welcome to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. That's me, author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is a podcast, a talk show, an advice column. It's that and more, but really, it's about bringing some energy, enthusiasm, and insight into your day. Join me and my incredible friends, authors, actors, activists, and even other people whose jobs do not start with the letter A, for a half hour of laughs and delight. Because we all need an extra shot of something. Can you hear my snoring dog in the background? I hope not. Guys, welcome back to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. I am Alicia your host. And I am delighted that you are here today for this bumper episode. I have not one, but two incredible guests that I cannot wait to tell you about. Before I do, I need to give a shout out to my amazing partners this season, Evolve Me. Evolve Me work with groups of women in midlife who are looking to relaunch, reinvent, or level up their careers. Does that sound familiar? And the great news is, if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, that sounds like me, they are about to launch their next reinvention collective cohort on October 24th, 2023. That would be this year. And it is such a phenomenal experience. You can find out more about them and register at evolveme.work. So I hope you do that if this is something you are thinking about in your life. Now, let me tell you about my two guests. I'm going to tell you my second guest first and then my first guest second. So I wanted to talk to the amazing Michelle Wilgen, author of Wine People, one of my favorite books that I read this summer and just general all-around badass writer about one of my favorite subjects, which is wine. And when I came up with the name Wine O'Clock, which I know I didn't invent, but it came to me, I was like, we got to talk to Michelle about wine. So stay tuned after the interview to hear Michelle's top five wines that mean the most to her, and then immediately go out and buy them all, as well as her phenomenal book, Wine People. But let me tell you about my interview today with Yasmin Audi. Yasmin Audi has no choice but to call herself a professional storyteller. In a nutshell, she is a Harvard-educated psychologist with ad agency experience and a passion for acting, the quit-your-stable-job-and-move-to-London-to-get-a-master's-in-musical-theater kind of passion. Since making her West End debut, yeah, she did that, Yasmin has founded The Performing Smartest, helping entrepreneurs and executives gain superstar confidence while public speaking and pitching. Yasmin is a proud Lebanese-American, lover of solid comedic timing, and always on a mission to find the best margarita in town. Now, Yasmin and I could have talked about margaritas probably for the entire time, but what I really wanted to talk to her about is the book that she is currently writing and seeking representation for, in case you're listening. It's called Wedding in a Week. This is the whirlwind true story of how she planned her wedding during COVID in just seven days against all odds. It is a beautiful story. So it's such a fun set of interviews. And I hope you really enjoy this episode. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. Yasmin, I'm so excited you're here. And I have to tell you, I haven't told you this, but so we had coffee in London several months ago. Yeah. And at the time, the idea for this podcast was already sort of like percolating in my head. I knew I wanted to wrap up Quit Your Day Job. I knew I wanted to do something more talk showy. And my original idea was just like interesting people who just bring like great energy to the table. And I've had you on my list since we had coffee I in rem- London. 
I remember you even pulled out your little notebook. You were like, <laughs> don't mind me. I just have to write something down. Just write something down. So I'm so excited that you're here and that you have agreed to come on and share your incredible story. This is a fast friendship that I'm super, super happy about. I love it. So you are a multi-hyphenate in like every... I actually was like trying to list out all of the things. Yeah, still, There's a lot. still trying to figure it out as well. So here's what I've got so far. Actor, dancer, singer, choreographer, teacher, brand strategist, and bride. Oh my God. I think you covered it. Oh, you only are missing Margarita Lover, but that's Margarita Lover, proud Harvard grad. Although I'm not going to advertise that because as we were just discussing, it, it, <laughs> I think there's been a weird self-selection of this podcast of people that sing and went to Harvard. So uh, maybe <laughs> those are just the most interesting people that I know. There's... <laughs> There are other non-Harvard attending singers on this podcast. Don't worry. And non-singers, you I guess you don't have to sing to come on, but it's a nice it's a nice addition. It's a nice to have. <laughs> but I did go deep last night down into your musical. I watched your 2022 musical theater reel. I watched you sing some beautiful songs. You have an amazing oh voice. You're a great performer. Oh, thank you. That's so... I mean, literally, I did the Harvard thing, the neurobio thing, the advertising agency account executive thing. Shout out to my parents for keeping it real. <laughs> you know, my parents said you need two years in corporate America. So on the anniversary of my second year, I regretfully declined my employment. And I said, I did, I, I, I did what was asked of me. And now I need to do, I need to do what I've always wanted to do, which is perform. So it's been six or seven years now, and it's certainly been a hustle and a grind, but I wouldn't change it for anything. So I was floored by your story of putting together your wedding in a week, which is Already the romantic comedy starring insert amazing actress here. It's so, I want to hear everything about it. But first, I want you to tell everybody a bit of the backstory and how you met this person that you ended up marrying in a week. Yes. Oh, <laughs> just for the listeners out there, I didn't meet him and get married to him. And so oh, yes. Let's clarify what the week was. Let's clarify the week, the week in question. We, we'd been dating for five-ish years by that point. And we had had a beautiful wedding. We are both from Lebanon, a beautiful Lebanese wedding planned. But unfortunately, uh, 2020 had other plans as it did for everyone in the universe. And our wedding got postponed, postponed, and then canceled. Well, so when was it originally scheduled for? It was originally scheduled for May of 2020, and then okay. it was postponed officially to September 10th, 2020. Oh my God. So it's almost, you're almost three days past, as we're recording this, three days past your almost anniversary. So funnily enough, <laughs> wedding in a week did fall after all that, that our wedding was on September 10th, 2020. <gasps> okay. Well, happy third anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Related. <laughs> I like... Cannot believe I haven't killed my husband yet after 18 months in lockdown. Like the first 18 months of our marriage, we were cellmates oh in God. a London one bed flat. So like people are like, oh my gosh, how do you feel with your anniversary? I'm like proud. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't I made thought, headlines. When my, kids, when my kids turned one, 
I ordered a case of champagne and I was like, we kept these people alive for one year. I don't know. We're still alive. I really marriage is kind of like every year I get to a wedding anniversary. I am like, yeah, all right. Pat on the back. We did it. Me and Com, we pat each other on the back every year. It's great. And you, but you guys had a family connection, right? As I recall, is that yeah? So you know, after we started dating, we had met through a mutual friend in Lebanon, where we're both from, and we kind of found out after we started dating that our parents were childhood best friends in Beirut. So you know, that kind of synced everything up for us. That you know, our parents were already hanging and partying just like without us. And like, were we invited? Unclear. So we even found a picture. My mom found a picture in an album where, you know, my husband is four and I'm six months old and we're in the same photo. I think I'm checking out his ass. (laughs) As a six month old, how advanced of you? Listen, she started early. (laughs) um, So yeah, it's, it, apparently I've known my husband my entire life which is so cute to think about. I love that. Okay. So you've got the fiance. It's, it's COVID is March, 2020, February-ish, March, really things kicking off. You've probably got everything ready. Invites out, RSVPs in, dress, you're ready to go. We had save the dates going and, you know, we had a few things at play during that year, or I did personally, where, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic that's fast approaching. And just for everyone, I've read my What If Year by, I don't know if you've heard of her, Alicia Fernandez Miranda. I hear she's got a huge ego now. I mean, I hear her book is amazing. No, it actually is amazing. But dang it, she's great. (laughs) 2020 took us all by surprise. But on top of the pandemic, I finally had made my West End debut here in London. And within a week theater and my career presumably just shuts down. And then lastly, but definitely most importantly, you know, the whole country of Lebanon and specifically Beirut was, you know, subject to the port explosion on August 4th, 2020. That was just the most devastating experience for any and all Lebanese or people who know Lebanese people. Because, you know, we're a, a proud country of of who we are and we're definitely resilient, but it was a tough experience. So I think the culmination of all of those things, we kind of just decided, you know, a wedding is not in the cards for us. And I just really felt just destroyed and and mentally and like just, you know, worn down and realizing, you know what, I'm not sure you know, a marriage is going to be beautiful, but I don't know that a wedding is meant for me or meant for us. I mean, it's just like compound after situation after situation, you know, awful thing after awful thing in a time where our resilience was already so low because of what we had already been through for the first part of 2020. So that I write, I write about in my, what if you're that, that book that you're so handily holding up. If you're watching this on YouTube, could see that pretty pink cover one more time. But I write about a wedding that I worked while I was interning at a hotel in Sky. And just the, I was so amazed by the optimism at that time when everything felt so dark. To have a wedding, even a tiny one, is just like the most optimistic thing you can do. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was in the States and my now husband was in Lebanon for all of this because we had separated to be with our respective families during this difficult time. And my 
partner couldn't enter the States because the COVID restrictions at the time, you had to be an immediate family member. And he was not my husband yet. But the irony is that I was trying to get him to the States so that we could be married. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just a mess and a half. And it wasn't until September 2nd or September 1st of 2020 that my partner calls me and says, I found a way to get into the States that we just didn't consider before. The reason there there was this whole red zone situation where if you were in a red zone country, you couldn't yeah, enter the yeah. States. All of these like insane restrictions that probably right? I mean, that changed every hour. Yeah. I'm not so, I'm certainly not like an anti-masker and I was a very safe person during COVID and caring absolutely. for others. But the restrictions, when you look back on them, they like didn't make any scientific yeah, sense they were, at all. They were just <laughs> a, yeah. It was good for everyone to feel like they were in control of a narrative that was just really just so beyond what any of us could have imagined. Yeah. So he calls me and he's like, some of my friends flew to Qatar, which is not a red zone country. Oh my God. And then flew direct from there to New York. And there, and he, you can, there's no direct flights from Beirut to New York, which right. is why he couldn't, he would have to do a layover in Europe. Mm-hmm. And that is a red zone area. Oh God. So I was like, you're going to fly seven hours in the opposite direction to then fly 20 hours or whatever to me. If, if that's not romantic, I don't. I, I mean, like, that's like, what a way to like set out the, you know, like stake in the ground. He's committed to you. He's committed to this. I know. And so he was like, so he, I was, he was like, I'm going to come. I miss you so much. I said, absolutely. We hang up. He calls me back. He goes, should my parents come with me? And I'm like, Okay, like, sure, the more the merrier. And then he hangs up, he goes, then he calls me again. Should my brother come? Should we, do you want to get married? And I was like, okay, just for all listeners out there, I might be the most type A list oriented planner (laughs) in the whole world. And so when I heard this, like, I nearly like pooped my pants. I was like, (laughs) I was like, this is not, this is not real. This is not happening. Also, it's not possible. Right. And yet the answer that came out of my mouth was yes. We, this feels like the first time I feel hope in a really long time. And it's around the time that we had originally wanted to celebrate our union and let's do it. Hell yeah. So you, you probably could have just gone to the courthouse, got the certificate, right? But you decided to have a wedding. Yes. What was going through your head at that time? (laughs) Quite literally everything, every emotion, one of which obviously excitement and awe and inspiration and hope, but also this feeling of, you know, what the hell am I doing? And, And guilt for feeling happy when so many people in the world are sad. And, and also just like, am I crazy? Am I gonna look back on this time and regret that this all happened so quickly? Luckily, the events that transpired during the week before our wedding makes it so that not only am I happy it happened, but I now truly and genuinely believe in my heart that it had to happen that way and no way else. I love that. So you're you have written a book about this. We'll talk about that in a in a moment. So I don't <laughs> want to spoil everything for everybody. But what were some highlights? some lowlights, like the range of emotions during that week must have just been completely wild. And I know 
your people really came through for you. Like you had like your friends, your family, they just, everybody like rallied to make this happen. So tell me a little bit about that. Truly. It's a, you know, it was at the time, you know, it's an age old thing that you hear, but to experience it firsthand is so magical where truly when you feel the, the least hopeful or, or the, you know, the least like, I don't know when you feel the lowest is usually when you get lifted the highest by the people around you. And Love that. that includes my family, my friends, my husband's family and friends, including the people, you know, so the thing that we were grappling with was, yes, we were quote unquote, throwing a wedding, but the maximum capacity is 30 people. Right. And you need to understand that we are literally my big fat Lebanese wedding. Oh, Each yeah. of us have like 600 cousins. So it was going to, we went from a 300 person wedding in Lebanon and it was going to be so, you know, beautiful and and grand and amazing. And, you know, it turned into eight people in the church, just our parents and our siblings watching us, you know, exchange our vows and then a small gathering afterwards. So that's where a lot of the guilt came from, because I would say that there is a Yasmin before wedding in a week and a Yasmin yeah. after and yeah. the one before. And I'm not sure if other brides or, 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 you know, future present or past brides have felt this, but there is this feeling of whether you can control it or not, there are expectations involved. It's your special day. It's your special time. It's your milestone. So there are certain expectations that you're best friend will fly from across the world to Mm. celebrate you or that everyone will say this was the best wedding they've ever been to. Like whether or not you're going to admit that out loud, I have found over the past few years that everyone just like feels that. And that's human nature to like want to feel celebrated when it comes to love. At least I believe that. So something that the Yasmin after wedding in a week, I no longer lead a life with expectations. I lead a life that loves to be pleasantly surprised by things and by people and by small moments. And wedding in a week genuinely taught me that. Like, rather than thinking of this wedding as a big picture and, you know, they brides always say like, you're not going to even see anyone at your wedding because you're going to be so caught up in it all. When I tell you that I touched and smelled and like licked every tablecloth in this wedding because I was just so in gratitude for every single aspect of it and looking in my guests' eyes and and being like, you are here amidst all of this and knowing in my heart the people that for obvious reasons couldn't attend, there was no ill feeling or sadness even. It was just like, thank you for being in my heart. And this all makes me sound very like, do you know what though? I love it because so, well, this is, this is not at all related to your wedding in a week, but I'm so, I think that particularly right after COVID, you know, the, the worst part of it ended and people were vaccinated and starting to get back to normal. That feeling that a lot of people took from the pandemic, this just gratitude, really this releasing of expectations that you so beautifully articulated. Do you feel like you've been able to keep that up now, several years on? I don't think there's a way for me to ever go back to the way it was before, just because it was such a, you know, such an internal transformation for me and my family. And it's something I'll always carry. Yeah. 
I think about the story that I've written, you know, it started as me emailing a listserv being like, I have this hilarious story. Does anyone know like anyone at a bride magazine so I can do a funny column, like, like 10 words just because this is hilarious. And it's turned into like people being like, this is a rom-com get your IP out there and let's get this going. And, you know, it's been an interesting, such a beautiful self-discovery because the book's more than just about a wedding. It's about Lebanon's history and the complicated relationship between females within a family, you know, generational saga. It's beautiful. And there's poetry, there's prose. I mean, it's just a, it's, it is, the story is so catchy. The title's so catchy. But it's so much more than just, I don't think I'm married in a week. Everything yeah. went crazy and now I'm exactly. married kind of thing. <laughs> so the way I'm pitching it is if my big fat Greek wedding and the kite runner had a fat chubby baby, like a cute little baby. Really, and, really good cheeks. Yeah. With like Middle Eastern. And a lot of, a lot like, of intergenerational trauma. <laughs> with a thick unibrow. Thick unibrow. <laughs> And that, you know, if I can catch someone in the airport with the flashy promise of a whirlwind wedding and accidentally they learn about the best country in the world to me and my family, then, you know, my 2020 would have been worth it. You're Trojan horsing these people. I love it. (laughs) What is, tell me one moment from the day that sticks out in your mind that is that scene that you play in your head over and over again. So it's less the day of. The day of was just surreal living in the moment, but it was the preparation beforehand. So when we were first working on our original 1.0 wedding, you know, I had emailed vendors though. I like literally looked up blogs, like how do you email a vendor? So I'm like, hello, my name is Yasmin. My husband, my fiance's, you know, come and um, we're really looking for a great photographer. And would you mind having like a catch up to see if we're the right fit? It turns into this like formal process that like caused me stress, whatever. Now wedding in a week was... I literally stuck on Instagram, find the first picture of a bride from 2019 that I like, realize that this girl is local. And I email her, yo, 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 wedding in a week. You don't know me, but you can have tequila with us after if you come. Do you have an iPhone and an extra charger? Literally. And I said, and by the way, it's in five days. (gasps) And, you know, the response within two minutes, holy moly, I have not had work in a few months. This is the craziest thing ever. My best friend is a videographer. We've always wanted to do an event together. Can we come and just have a good time? And I was like, so like a moment like that, in what world would that happen otherwise? It just showed me like, you know, it reinstilled how the world works in crazy ways if you let it. And even things like you know, the shoe store is closed because of COVID, but they opened for me and my mom because we knocked on the glass door and explained our situation. So we're wearing masks. And, you know, instead of just like being discreet and looking at shoes, they like blasted music. And we had a dance party in the shoe store with wearing like freaking ivory heels. Ah. Like my mom and sister were wearing wedding shoes too. Like these are just all the moments ingrained in, in who I am now, because I really genuinely don't think it would have happened with the same, you know, carefree nature and and spontaneity and lightheartedness that it actually 
did. So you're kind of an expert on planning weddings now, basically, basically a wedding <laughs> planning expert. What tips do you have for some brides or grooms that are planning their wedding in more than a week? And I'm thinking specifically of my brother, if you're listening to this, who's now been engaged going on two and a half years. And I'm waiting for that wedding date. I don't want to be post-menopausal when I'm standing up there with him. So what tips do you have specifically for my brother and his fiance and or other people? (laughs) Well, listen, I am all for everyone having their own wedding planning experience, but just based on my own, there's a few like logistical ones. One is vendors are humans too. They're just out here for a good time. So, you know, it doesn't have to be as formal and scary as you think, you know, connecting with them. But yeah, I think it's the expectation thing. The the less, not the less, sorry. The more you're able to see that having a wedding of any kind, of any size, in any location is just such a magical thing. It kind of makes the details a little bit less weighted. It's not that they're not important because I'm, I, you know, and that was going to be my last tip is revel in the small things, the small details, as long as they mean the world to you, your day's bound to be beautiful. Like for me, you know, so much is going on. And yet the thing that I keep thinking back on my wedding is, you know, the bright red, orange, pink, flowers that were there and granted not many flowers there was like three flowers per table that like my dad may as well have picked from a garden somewhere (laughs) like with the last minute notice but even still I'm like the colors looked different because it was they were in a setting that was really happy and special and emotional for me so yeah just enjoy the small things expectations are as long as it's about love it's going to be beautiful and yeah, just to have fun with it. And plan it before your sister gets too old, please. Thanks for not everybody, just specific listeners. Um, just so you know, Alicia's brother, she did this entire podcast. Yeah, just this is basically all to convince you to... No, oh my God, he's going to kill me when he hears this, actually. <laughs> okay, so you've written the book. Tell me where is Wedding in a Week now? Like, where are you in your journey with this story? Oh, well, so, you know, as much as I'm really good at performing arts and very much understand that industry. I am very new to literary arts, but currently I know I'm supposed to say I'm currently seeking representation. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) But it's been great to have, you know, friends and mentors like you that have recently gone through the process and it's been so fun to learn. But yeah, I see, you know, Wedding in a Week being a really fun story that is told in a widespread way. Who knows? Maybe acting or public speaking or whatever is a, you know, movies is a part of its future. So, but for now we're starting with the actual work and um, we'll see where it goes. I love it. Well, I can't wait for everybody to read it. Yasmin, thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you. Also, Loki, this is my first podcast ever. Like, so this you, is like you so fun. You're gonna, your your door is going to be like banging. Your phone's going to be ringing off the hook with podcast requests now. This is so fun. Guys, what time is it? Well, actually, it's 3.15 p.m. in Scotland, 9 a.m. in Wisconsin. Is that where you are, Michelle? Madison, Wisconsin. So I don't know if any of those times are technically wine o'clock, but you could maybe argue that 
anytime is wine o'clock. But here on Extra Shot, it's wine o'clock with my guest today, Michelle Wilgen. Michelle is the author of Wine People. It was my summer read. I told her it had a very special place because I brought it on vacation, which, you know, that's like a high bar for me in terms of books that I read. And I loved it. It tells the story of two women, Thessaly and Wren, who are deep into the wine industry, forging friendships and alliances. And it's just a fabulous story. So when I wanted some wine advice, I invited Michelle to be on the podcast. So Michelle, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. And at least one of the the winemakers that I researched referred to a breakfast wine. So, you know, you can start with that. That exists? (laughs) Apparently so. Yeah. Okay, our next session of this is going to be top five breakfast wines because that's clearly something I need in my life. But you're going to give us some wine advice today. So what do you got for us, Michelle? Well, I'm going to talk about five of my favorite wines. And so here's the thing. like I don't have a wine that I love more than any just on its own merits because I really it all depends to me on like what time of year is it what am I eating like what is the mood because there's very few like just a well-made wine that I'm just not going to enjoy in some capacity or another mm. however um there are a bunch of wines that just have personal meaning to me so I thought I would just talk about those and and say why and then if hopefully people are moved to try them then you know I hope they would enjoy them I love it I think we should actually have like a stamp card if you try all five you get a prize maybe we'll do that <laughs> yeah, you you get a you get a copy of Wine People with my little wine glass stamp that I exactly. bought, exactly. And you get drunk, so great. Yeah, you get all the things. <laughs> yeah, everything everything you could want, and the Hangover for free. You know, it's Perfect. all good. All right, so let's see. So my first one is just going to be champagne, but mm-hmm. I will also allow any kind of bubbles. I'm not a huge prosecco person. I love cava more because I like it more on the dry side. But you know what? You do you. I believe in all of us enjoying the stuff that we enjoy. And the reason that I bring that up is that when I went to work for a restaurant in my 20s, because I wanted to learn about food and wine and I didn't know anything about it. So I was like, I'm going to go to the best restaurant I can and hopefully they'll teach me. And it turned out to be the kind of place that really did. And it had never occurred to me that you could start any and all meals with a glass of champagne. I thought it was like, you know, you can only drink champagne when something special is happening. It's not just like, here it is. It's a Wednesday night. I'm having a glass of champagne. And I just found that to be like the most wonderful, festive, lovely way to like approach life. And I feel like in many ways that restaurant job changed my life and how I live it. And so champagne or cava or any just wonderful, dry, enjoyable kind of bubbles, I recommend. And I think you all should too. Few thumbs up. Definitely in agreement with that. Right. People are delighted to hear me say that because they're just like, I do want to drink champagne all of the time. And so I'm just like, let me be yet another voice telling you that you can. Yes. Um, Yeah. So my next one is dry French rosé. And I think about this because I like I had forgotten about this because now rosé is so huge, right? It has gotten so big that it literally changed the wine selling business. It used to be that summertime was the dead time for wine sales. They were just like, fine, we just won't make money in the summer. Rosé came along and so we're more like, it's been around for many, many years, of course, but America got excited about rosé and suddenly they're just making bank all summer long because Hashtag it is just- rosé all day. Yeah. Rosé all day. And it reminded me that back when I started drinking rosé, because I had like done my thing where like I spent a few a few weeks in Europe, you know, backpacking and looking like a totally bedraggled American tourist and feeling dumb about it, but still like I'm doing it anyway. And drinking dry French rosé there. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful stuff. And I started drinking French or dry, drinking like dry rosé back at home when I could find it. And it was still embarrassing. You still were kind of being like, it's not white zin, it's not blush. I'm drink- like, it's a very different kind of rosé. But then you also <laughs> didn't want to be such a tryhard that you felt the need to explain that to people. Right. 
but I also didn't want them to think I was drinking white Zim. So I tried to take a sort of defiant punk rock attitude to drinking pink wine. Yeah. And rose, but just, make it cool. Uh-huh. Yeah, rose, but I'm awesome. I'm like, I'm wearing leather. It's very yeah. clear. So I just, I, I was shocked to remember that. I'm like, oh God, remember when I still felt self-conscious about ordering rose? And now I'm just, <laughs> it's like that time I started the ramen boom all by myself. I'm convinced. Um, I don't have evidence, but. Well, thank I, you I for I that. I appreciate that. You're welcome, right? I mean, I've made life better for all of us, I, I yeah. think. Yep. So my dry French rosé, I love it. I love it still. My next one is Grunerweltliner, which is an Austrian white grape. And for a long time, I would use it as my measure of like a wine store. If I went in and you had at least a few Gruners, I was like, all right, you're, you're making an effort, you know? And I don't use that as much now because it's become a lot more popular and people Mm -hmm. actually know what it is. And so you're like, okay, they might just have it anyway and still not be doing a great job. But I fell in love with this because A, I just love, I love this sort of it's really changeable. I've had Gruners that smell strongly of like grapefruit. And then I've had ones that are completely different. They go well with asparagus, which nothing else does. It's like known as the only varietal you can have with asparagus. <laughs> so it's a strange little, like not particularly commonly seen one, but it's really lovely and it's dry and it's crisp and it can do all of these different things. And so I love a good Gruner. And that was another one that came out of my work at that restaurant. So I still have a soft spot. Yeah. I went, I was in Austria and the Austrian lakes last summer on vacation. It was gorgeous. Amazing. Vienna was amazing. The lakes were amazing. We were with friends who my friend's mother is Austrian. And so we went to the lake where she like spent her childhood and we had this great vacation, but every single restaurant we went to without fail, we would be like, what would you recommend for wine? And they were, every single person was like, have you tried the Gruner? We were like, Yes, we've been drinking it for like eight days straight. But you're right. It has a lot of different levels to it. It was delicious. But every time I see a Gruner, I'm like, have you tried the Gruner? Of course. Are you familiar with Gruner? (laughs) Apparently, there's a winery in Michigan that is growing and making a Gruner now, which because like where I am in Madison and Wisconsin in general, like we're on the same sort of latitude as a lot of Northern Europe. And so the things like these German and Austrian varietals went really well with the food that we grow and eat here. So another little thing I learned. So my next one is Carignan, and that is this red grape. And the reason I say this, I know very little about it, but I have a particular memory that I am sort of, I am attributing to Carignan. And that is that many years ago, before Mario Batali was like a dirty name, Babo was really good. And my husband and I went there to eat one time when we were living in New York. And I remember we had this wine, this like bottle of red wine in my head. I swear to God, it had some kind of cork on the outside of the bottle. And then I'm like, was I just wasted? I don't know. But I remember drinking it and it was like bright and fruity and juicy, but not sweet. And it was just like, I remember thinking like, this is the happiest wine I've ever had. Like it was just, it just was was so easy drinking and so fun and so enjoyable. And I remember that it was a Sicilian red and I couldn't remember what it was. And I was never able to turn up any more details. But after I did a little research, I thought it was pretty likely that this was the varietal that Mm. that one was. So I sort of, I have an asterisk next to that one, but I'm 90% sure that that's what I'm I'm putting it on my list. That's right. And then my last one um, is actually one that I almost never drink. And it would be Sauterne or a Sleza, like a, a Riesling Sleza or something along those lines. Could even be an ice vine. And that sweet, is because sweet, this is sweet. That's my favorite kind of wine. <laughs> I actually don't like sweet wines, but I like them in one context. I like them with cheese or with foie gras. And and even if like, say, say foie gras is off of your menu because a lot of people do not, you know, like how it is raised, totally fair. You could still do some other kind of liver. But this is one of the first examples that I ever had of how 
a, a food and a wine create a whole new flavor together. Mm. And when I first tried any kind of duck liver, I was like, well, you'd have a red with that, wouldn't you? And you absolutely could. But somebody said, no, you should have this sweet wine with it. And so we had those two together and I was like, I, I had no idea. So it was one of those things that is counterintuitive when you're new to it, but you realize how special it is when you have it in the right way. It's Those are also great with like a salty cheese or something like that. And I just really enjoy those. And the last little story that I always like to tell about Sauterne is that years ago, I was having a big cheese dinner because I'd ordered a bunch of cheese from France, as one does, you know? Great. Well, and I didn't have any money. This was like me sharing all my money with my friends because we'd found out you could get raw milk cheese on the internet and have it shipped straight from France. And we were like, okay, we don't have any cash, but we'll do this. And my friend was going through a divorce from the kind of guy who left the price tags on all of the wine so that he ah. could show people how much he'd spent. And so she said, take the take a bottle of the most expensive wine in here and enjoy it with your dinner. And so it was a Sauterne. And we had it with some Roquefort and we had it with a few other things. And, uh, and it was expensive and it was delicious. Good. He can suck it, that guy. That's... Yeah, somewhere he was probably like, where's my Sauterne? <laughs> Gone. Michelle, this has been amazing and also reinforced for me the fact that I'm pretty sure we need to go on vacation together or at least oh, yeah. to dinner because... Yeah. I think we like to drink all the same things. Wine People is available at bookstores everywhere. You can get it on mybookshop.org. And it is such a great book. I couldn't recommend it more highly. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the kind words about Wine People. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for tuning in today to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. A special shout out to the team at Texture Sound for all their support. If you're in the mood for more of me, pick up a copy of my What If Year, which is out now in bookstores everywhere. Sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I can promise news, views, and memes about Gilmore Girls. If you have feedback, ideas for upcoming segments, burning questions, things you need advice on, please reach out. And otherwise, we'll catch you on the next Extra Shot.